Welcome to Launch Grow Harvest Podcast, Business Growth Coaching with Connie Buna and Roland Kim. Hey, Roland. How are you today? I'm great, Connie. And yourself? You know what? The sun is shining in Vancouver and that is a blessed day. Feels like spring for sure. Beautiful. I'm super excited to be talking to you about some of the amazing nuggets that we've learned in our coaching journey, both as folks that have embraced coaching over our many years of business and folks that are now actively engaged in coaching others. Well, it all starts with the mindset, Connie. You got a great mindset. I'd love to talk about mindset because mindset was something for me that was a topic of my coaching conversation this past week and a well-timed topic of conversation. In up and down markets, there's always something to be said for getting real and getting right with your mindset. And so one of the things that I've really been focusing on is thinking about how you're going to win in any market climate and what your mindset needs to be in order to outmaneuver, outhustle and outsmart the market. Some of the things that I have been thinking about and reflecting on as it relates to mindset are the simple things that we can do to either make ourselves feel better about a day or feel like we're behind the eight ball all day long, if anyone understands that pool reference. What are your thoughts on mindset? I mean, that's a great point. And it also leads into habits. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But the mindset, you either start the morning in a great mindset because you're prepared and you hopefully did some things the day before, the night before to get you there. Mm-hmm. Or like you said, you're behind the eight ball. And so instantly your mindset's in and you're behind and you're trying to catch up in the race, which is hard. And one of the things that I'm trying to do as well is, you know, you've heard the expression smile when you talk on the phone. You've heard that little nugget of advice. And there is something about the act of physically smiling, the idea of gratitude, journaling, or even just some intentions set for the day that can help you set the course for Mm -hmm. that day and set the course for what your quarter, your week, your month is going to look like in your business. And one of the ways that I have really tried to kind of get my mind around mindset is that I can look at the market condition and I can feel sorry for myself. Or I can look at the market condition and say, in up and down markets, in thriving markets or in contracting markets, I am always going to be somebody that takes some market share. I'm always going to be working hard for my clients, engaging in powerful conversations and coming at my business from a positive mindset and from a mindset of contribution and gratitude. Totally. And I think like an easy way for someone to do that is find out what they're great at in their life. So some people are really good at the gym or good at sports. So they don't even notice the mindset that they have there is a positive one. If they're great at the gym and they love it, they're not going in with a defeated mindset where how many realtors do we know in certain markets are like, oh, it'll never happen. We can't get it. Everything has to be subject free versus what am I working with? Like, what are my boundaries, my limitations? What is my client working with and mm-hmm. and where are the opportunities? I mean, you and I were talking about this earlier this week and it's amazing how many people are attracted to brand new listings. And there actually are quite a few nuggets stuck in days on market that people have forgotten about. Yes, absolutely. And everyone's just like a brand new listing, assuming it in, in a busy market, it might go to multiples. You know, you have to be subject free. This mindset that you've created that could be true in some sense and often has an impact, But where else is the opportunity? What's the mindset that you can put yourself in that you can compete? That brings up a really interesting experience that happened to me this week. Twice this week, I was able to successfully assist buyers and facilitate a private sale. And so for me, where I had to overcome from a mindset perspective was overcoming the idea that 
anyone that would be interested in selling would want to go to the market. I felt like that was in fact a limiting belief that is not always the case. There are a variety of impacts and criteria for any given individual who is looking to sell their home. And sometimes simplicity with a good, strong offer is the recipe that is needed for a successful transaction. And that was something also that really struck me that I definitely, like many of us, sometimes have situations with clients who are prepping their home to list. And the one piece that we're having a hard time overcoming is that they're kind of looking out at the landscape and saying, oh my goodness, it's so competitive out there. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm ready to make this leap because I'm afraid of what's coming on the other side. Part of my mindset shift has been, how can I work extra hard for lack of a better word, to help them understand the actual risks associated with what they're talking about and really digest them and break them down. And also open up some opportunities that we may not have been thinking about. Things like, for example, like you've just talked about, looking at potentially older inventory, inventory that expired a year or two ago that there's no record of transaction occurring on the property address. And it was something they might've been interested in. In fact, one of the private sales that occurred was a result of just that. We reached out to a listing agent that previously had a listing that expired in a slower market. The funny situation that occurred in that without releasing too many private details is the opportunity didn't come together with that particular unit, but as my clients were stalking the building, they ran <laughs> into owners okay. and a conversation struck up. I remember the phone call from my buyer client and there was some guilt on the phone. Like she felt like she had done something wrong. Okay, like left you out of and it. And left me out of it. And so it was such a powerful opportunity to build a deeper rapport and a deeper layer of trust and confidence in our, our support for folks in these experiences. Because I could really honestly say I would be very happy in fact, if we could put together a private transaction and I could find her an opportunity within the building. And I went right into what are the obligations that we need to ensure that the seller has in terms of their own representation and support through that process. Because in our market, we're not able to represent two sides of the transaction or to double end a transaction. And, and so what we ended up doing was segueing really quickly into a professional conversation between realtors, representing buyers in an exclusive opportunity. Just remove subjects on that opportunity today. And I think everybody's thrilled. Yeah. And there's quite a few points there to dissect. And one of them is going back to mindset is that you approach everything with a servant's heart. And we always want everyone to do that. Some people struggle with it when they're tight on resources or have a finite mindset, right? And so in that case where you did two private deals, I don't even know the specifics, but I might assume that the commission structure might've been different than it would have been if it hit the open market. It was. And so I think some realtors struggle with that. Like when that client mm -hmm. prepping a listing and the client somehow puts together potentially a private deal and still wants the realtor involved, but it's going to be a completely different transaction path. You know, the, the realtor might be in a finite mindset and a mm -hmm. mindset of like, oh my gosh, I might not get all my commission. Mm -hmm. And simply that position can toxify the whole process mm -hmm. instead of being like, how can I help my client? And it comes back to really what we are all about. Like, obviously at that moment in any given transaction, we want to have a successful transaction and really appreciative of uh, the compensation we receive for that. But we're attracted to getting the referrals in the ongoing business. Yes. And so a private deal is really, it's like a problem. It's an opportunity, but both of them have a situation where you can showcase how great you are. Like Absolutely. You, you can go above and beyond what's normal. Mm -hmm. And any of the little hiccups that come up, you are able to show how you're different. 
I think it, you know, in terms of thinking about mindset, there is something really powerful to kind of drill down into as we think about the mindset of a single transaction as opposed to the mindset of a lifelong client and a raving fan. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the things that I've really learned to embrace. And one of the things that I have to say, I really learned from you and also from the Keller Williams organization. And in so many ways, it's woven into the fabric of many of the principles and the fundamental values of the organization, which is again, to come from a place of generosity, always trying to look for a win-win opportunity and create clients for life. And this is something that is honestly so wonderful to think about as we think about where we have opportunity to grow and learn and build. We've touched on something earlier that was about how to become better in terms of becoming a better teacher of valuable content. And I think that that really does kind of layer in really nicely into the opportunity of a mindset and being flexible and being able to pivot in various market conditions. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I think when we were talking about that, the idea of like, how do you make yourself better? I One of the discoveries I've had a few years ago was become a teacher of whatever you want to be better at that scares you. Mm-hmm. For me, it's public speaking. It's this podcast. Mm-hmm. And you're researching yourself. You're preparing yourself, especially if you're teaching to you know a group. Mm-hmm. And what I find every time I'm presenting something, I'm teaching, I'm learning equally, it sounds corny, but equally as much as I think the people that I'm teaching to, because as I'm saying something that's a best practice that should happen that, you know, I used to do, might do, and still should do, you're like, hey, I'm not doing it as well as I need to be doing. Yes. And so I'm teaching someone else how to do a better job and how to be better in the role that they want to increase. And I'm also at the same time internalizing and recognizing, you know what, I could do better. And what might you say to somebody who has a concern about not having anyone to teach to? I mean, we have the very fortunate position of being in leadership positions at the brokerage. And so we have a wonderful group of agents that work with us and alongside us. But what do you say to somebody who's in a different place in their career and they may not feel like they have anyone to teach to? I mean, it's as easy as finding a peer partner. Everyone has something they can teach to someone else. So go find someone that is looking to learn what you have. Mm -hmm. And then at a higher level, like you could teach how to make origami or whatever it is on Zoom. And there's people that will follow it. So find out what you're passionate about or find out what you want to become better at and then become a student first so that you can, you know, make sure that you're presenting it the right way and then become a teacher of it. Mm -hmm. And then you know it leads into so many more things like we've discovered by teaching that you're attracting the people that are also interested into it and often those people have so much more to share that you aren't even aware of or that you're not exposed to yet mm-hmm. and so a great example is one of my business niches around investing and so as i build that out more and more i'm constantly now receiving deals from across canada for my canadian passive income club and speaking with other investors other realtors you know i've gotten coaching opportunities from that and i've gotten referrals and i've gotten like put deals together and that all came from just wanting to teach people how to invest awesome that's great thank you so much i think a very nice segue from here is to talk a little bit about, and it dovetails very nicely in with mindset, is to talk about the power of habits. Do you feel comfortable moving into that direction of conversation? I do, I do. Great. You're nailing your habits right now. I I feel like I am somewhat nailing my habits. The 90-day tracker. I have a commitment to what I am referring to as win the day. And so I am on day 37 of my 90-day journey. 
And one of the things that I am finding really, really enlightening about this experience is that I truly acknowledge that I'm not winning every day. Yeah. And there are some days that I fail to meet my commitment to myself to do those tasks and win that day, so to speak. The interesting thing is not a day goes by that I don't think about it. And I think that one of the things that I'm learning is that even if you're inching along 1% at a time, slowly, gradually, slowly, gradually, you're getting better, you're improving, and there are going to be measurable improvements left along the way. And so tracking my habits has also been a very important piece to that, documenting them, writing them down, and sharing them openly with people. So sharing them openly with my key relationships, my most important people. Your accountant, your lawyer. No, my key relationships are more my, oh, my wife, okay. my, my family, <laughs> my business partner, okay. and my, my closest friends. And why I share it with them is twofold. Mm -hmm. I share it with them because I feel proud of myself. And this is part of my personality is I, I love pats on the head. Mm. feels good. I like it. People I do, like that. I do really, really well with positive reinforcement. So for me, sharing what I'm doing and being able to have people hold me accountable to meeting those, those habits okay. feels really good. It feels like a really exciting accomplishment. So that's been very huge. Okay. So for those of you out there that don't know what a 90-day tracker is, contact us. We have a template that we built and the idea is over 100 days, you need to um, nail your habit 90 days out of them. And if you can do that, you're developing a habit through discipline. And this is a key point. Like a lot of people think the folks there that are at the 5am club that are getting up every day and doing, you know, at work or at the gym at five or people that have really big goals and they're developing habits and staying on the habits that that came naturally. No, it was just discipline. Something was important enough to them. They might've failed many more times before they ever really started establishing that habit. And it was cumbersome. It was unenjoyable until it becomes a discipline Yes. or until it becomes a habit. Habits are the end result of being disciplined. Mm -hmm. And so for myself, this year, I started a new habit, the 90 day tracker. It's focused around my goal of kind of wanting to get back to my fitness level of 10 years ago and losing some weight. And so I've calculated you know, you need to figure out instead of focusing on, ah, I need to go to the gym, I need to go to bed early, I want to eat less, I want to drink more water, figure out the one thing that if you actually nail, mm -hmm. all the others fall in place. And for mm -hmm. me, what that means is in a habit tracker, my habits as simple as like, I need to leave a certain number of calories on the table in mm -hmm. order for me to reach my goal. So for me, it's a little bit over 600 a day mm -hmm. in order to get there where I want to be in five months. And I know when you have one habit that you're focusing on, you naturally have to, in order to develop a new habit that's mm -hmm. good, you often have to let go of a bad habit that's okay. not serving you. So for okay. me, simply focusing on that habit and tracking that forces me to make sure that I'm not eating food past eight o'clock at night because mm -hmm. that's my weak spot mm -hmm. and that I'm going to bed by like 10, 1030 because I get up for 5 a.m., and tracking that. Mm -hmm. And unlike you, I haven't nailed the last 36. I'm on my third sheet of 30 day habits because, you know, once I lose three days, I kind of want to start fresh. Start fresh. <laughs> and now I'm five days in. I think this could be the one. Ironically, you know, we have it on a big sheet of paper, the 90 day tracker. And so the kids love it every time I fail because it's another big piece of paper they can build into like a hat or an airplane because it sits in the kitchen and the kids constantly ask, you know, why am I putting a smiley face or a sad face? So we're talking about, you know, even adults want to improve and get stronger in areas. Yes. And who would have thought that a conversation 
about my habit is now causing us to have powerful conversations with our kids. Yes, absolutely. Are you ready to build your real estate portfolio? We We can can help. help. We have the experience and lender connections for you to build what you may not have thought was possible. And we offer unbiased advice because we're not a bank that's offering you one mortgage product. We are here for the long run. Exactly. We look at all the options and mix those with your dreams and goals to build a perfect mortgage strategy for your next step. It's easy with our secure technology and also means faster approvals for you. But we're also real people and we're happy to talk and answer questions anytime. With the Home Happy Team, you get the strength of having a team and not just at completion. We are with you to help manage your mortgage from now on. Let us start to build your financing plan so your future can start now. I've read a few really great books recently on the power of habits and how to build great habits. One is called Atomic Habits and the other is called Tiny Habits. And my apologies, I can't recall off the top of my head the names of the authors, but Google will help you. And in both of those books, what really struck me was the idea of anchoring your new habit to an existing established habit. What's that mean? So what that looks like, for example, I'll give you something very simple. Some of us might have a a pretty regular habit of waking up in the morning, going into the kitchen, putting the coffee on. Okay. That's an established habit that's done with great regularity. And if there's a day that goes by that you don't follow that particular habit course, so to speak, it probably feels weird. Mm -hmm. And so what can you anchor to that existing habit that will move your goal forward. So for example, if you have a desire to, I'll speak to my own habits personally, I want to set an intention for the day. And so I have anchored that process with setting the intention for the day. So as I'm making the coffee, which is a very methodical process, I use a mocha pot on the stove. I'm Italian. I like the coffee. It's very serious for me. It's serious business. (laughs) And it's often a window of time that children are not awake yet and I'm alone and it's a beautiful time. And so I can actually, as I'm physically preparing the coffee pot, I'm saying my intentions for the day. And it's become such an amazing way to feel like I've, I've accomplished something without adding any additional work. There's yeah. no additional steps happening in my day. One other habit that I've implemented as part of my win the day habits is doing some vocal rehearsal. So I'm a, I love talking on podcasts. <laughs> and I also, when COVID is said and done, I'm a singer and I perform in a band. And What's it's something called? that I, it's called Queer as Funk. They're awesome guys. Everyone Everyone check them out. And so one of the things that I have noticed through COVID and, and through a period of time where we haven't been having regular and diligent rehearsals is I am not rehearsing or practicing myself at home as much as I should be. And so that felt like a very overwhelming thing for me. I was really struggling because I'm someone you might relate to this, whomever is listening, that I already feel like my time is at a max. And so it was feeling really intense for me to think about carving out more time. And what I realized was I was overthinking it. Mm -hmm. And what I've implemented is a really, really simple habit of doing vocal rehearsal while I'm in the shower. And it's super simple. And I have great pre-recorded rehearsals as well as lessons that I've done with various coaches that I just listen to. And then I already have sort of the whole script of rehearsal that I'm going to be doing. And, you know, typically speaking, it's like a five minute exercise 
that makes me feel like if I'm doing that regularly every day, of course, we understand like your vocal cords are part of your muscles. This is all things that actually can be improved by practicing. I'm feeling super happy about where I'm coming from on that front because it was feeling overwhelming, the idea of coming back into rehearsal and letting my bandmates down by not being rehearsed and practiced. I've shared a lot. You shared a lot. And I want you to share a little bit more on a totally different topic, but for any realtor that's been, any business person, any realtor that's been around long enough, you're going to have experience here. So tell me a little bit about, um, have you ever lost a client? And what's that like? Going right into that. Wow. Yes, I have. Of course I have. My trajectory of growth around that experience is I always take it as an opportunity to reflect on what I didn't do. Mm -hmm. Surely something has occurred that I didn't win their trust. I didn't maintain their trust. And I wasn't front of mind with them if I wasn't someone that they selected This has just recently happened to me. I just saw yesterday that property that I sold many years ago has hit the market with a new listing agent. And I thought to myself, I've actually reflected on this very client many, many times Mm -hmm. in my, since I sold the property, because I realized that at that early stage of my career, I didn't have great habits (laughs) and I didn't have great systems around keeping in touch and keeping in contact And so what I realized in the reflection of the loss of that client, and I knew I lost that client many years ago, frankly, I was always just kind of waiting to see when their property would hit the market. And how I knew I lost them was when I did end up reaching out to them, I never did hear back. And I am of the belief that with more loose leads or arm's length leads, let's say, I just keep touching people, keep contacting them. But with this particular contact, we had had a longer history Mm -hmm. that after the fourth text that didn't get respond, no one's texting back. You're clearly getting the message that someone is not interested in having a conversation with you anymore. And that's okay. And in reflection, I can think of a few things where I failed in my role as a support person and as a a service provider. It's a very interesting opportunity to think about tweaking the systems. Mm -hmm. And also it's an interesting opportunity to think about, there are some circumstances where you think, did I really want that business? You know, that's for me, something that always is an evolution in my career and in my process, because there has definitely been times in my career where I wanted any bit of business that I could have. It didn't matter where it was and how hard it was, whether or not we were in alignment on so many fronts. That's some of my reflections. What about yourself? Yeah, definitely lost clients in the past. And same as you, like the ones that confuse you. Well, let's start one step back. So there's the ones that as soon as it happens, you're like, yeah, you know, I I know I could have done better Mm -hmm. in this situation. I could have done a better job of following up. Or there might've been that like crunchy moment that now I have the tools to address it in a different way and resolve it. And that's kind of cool as you get more experience in the industry. I mean, I remember so many situations early in my career that if they come up, I get a shiver down my back being like, do I have to deal with this? How do I, like, how do I resolve this for my client? And now when problems come up, it's almost like, awesome. It's an opportunity to show them how much of a professional I am. And this separates me from the other realtors. Mm -hmm. And so we're totally different realtors, you know, 11 years down the road. 
And some clients that we worked with earlier in our career that perhaps we didn't continue to stay in touch mm-hmm. have developed relationships mm-hmm. and that are stronger with other realtors. And so whenever that happens, I figure out, do I know what the lesson is? Have I discovered what I could do differently? And I pick and choose. Sometimes I will reach out to that person and see if they have any constructive feedback for me, if there was anything I could have done differently. But sometimes you get some really good intel and sometimes it's generic. Mm-hmm. You know, I never want to make it feel awkward or put pressure on the past client. It's honestly, it comes from a place of wanting to grow and improve and a little bit of being apologetic because I'm probably a different professional now than I was when I helped them, you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Then there's the ones that catch you by surprise where you weren't expecting to lose them. Mm -hmm. And often my advice, if you go through that as a realtor, is find out what happened. Because if it catches you by surprise and, you know, you're surprised that you lost them and you get feedback, you're either going to get feedback that are real situations, real issues that you could resolve. So that goes back to you of like, how did you not even have any anything on your radar that there was some Mm -hmm. crunchiness or something comes up that makes you feel more comfortable. Like recently I lost the opportunity to help a client upsize from one home to the other while I was still working with family members. And I learned that their best childhood friend from years ago became a realtor, a very successful, awesome realtor and wasn't a realtor when I helped them years yes. ago. Right. Yes. And so sure. I wanted that business, but I mean, I, it's you, very, you almost rightfully lost it. I know. Like it's funny. Yeah. You just lost the business, you know, and it's still the nicest way you can lose the business too. Cause you're like, I couldn't have done anything. Like I would have picked my friend too. Mm -hmm. So I guess what's the point that we're making there? You're all going to lose clients as you grow through your business career. Yes. And you can choose to learn from it or you can choose to like come up with your own story of they're not loyal. They're not a good people. They don't care about me. How dare they? And you pick what you want to do. I think, you know, the first way is probably the right way. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And I think that it's another, we touched on it a little bit when we were talking about the idea of scarcity One of the things to think about as well is if you find you're in a situation with a client where the opportunity is not working, you're not in alignment and or for one reason or another, you didn't get the opportunity or you weren't awarded the listing, let's say, use it as a bit of fuel Mm -hmm. or momentum to go and speak with like five more leads for that kind of an opportunity. One of the things that I think has been a huge reflection in our growth has been how much work it can be and how draining it can be to be working with somebody where you're not in alignment, where they don't trust you. And therefore you're always feeling like you're kind of stepping back. You're on your heels. And I can think of a recent example where we were, we were awarded a listing, a great listing right Mm -hmm. in our core territory And over the course of a few interactions with the seller, it became very, very clear that we were not in alignment from a a service and value perspective and also from what appeared to be a trust perspective. And that was our gut feeling. And we sort of had that breakup conversation with the client and there was some, you know, obviously it's hard to let that go. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of our other colleagues wouldn't have taken that same course of action. And that's great. Like everybody has to follow their own business models, but for us and for our business at that time, we were servicing such a volume of clients that the idea of taking on somebody that at the start of our relationship together didn't value where we were coming from, despite the fact that we had made a number of concessions and extensions of olive branches to secure the opportunity. It felt like we opened up the opportunity for five more clients to come into the seat. So Again, a great reflection, I think, of the importance of it being sort of a synergistic relationship. 
Yeah. And also realizing we've been the second realtor in that situation many other times. And so the second realtor that came in, I think he was working with clients now that were a lot more reformed and organized and didn't put as much weight on the realtor. Agreed. Right. And so had the clients at the point we left them, Mm. it probably would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, as I say, I don't want someone to puke on me, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So if you're around long enough, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. I would tend to believe that business professionals, they naturally hold on to remember the the losses, the pains a lot more. Mm -hmm. And again, a winning mindset. If you can do a practice of reflecting back on the things that just fall into your lap, the business deals that go your way, Mm -hmm. the, you know, the opportunities that go your way, the real estate, multiple offers that go your way and be thankful for that. And no, it could have just as easily not happened. Yes. Instead of taking it for granted and being like, I'm so awesome. Of course it went my way. I'm great. Yes. And then being so defeated when something doesn't go your way. Absolutely. Hey partner, something I learned this week on a podcast with Gary Keller, the concept is the 10 year post highest education rule. Okay. No? I'd, I'd love to learn more. It's an interesting concept. It's statistically shown that 10 years, a decade after a professional completes their highest level of education, they're pretty much at 75% of their earning power, of okay. their growth. And other than that, it's going to be inflation that moves their salary up. Okay unless they pour back into themselves and retool themselves. Mm. And I was trying this out on a few people thinking like, okay, that friend, you know, graduated university at 23 and then at 33, you know, what do I think they were making? And it's quite interesting. It's an opportunity for a few things. One, if you're early in your career and you're in, you know, you're starting that decade of hard work, recognize the reason it's hard work is because in those 10 years, you're proving your worth. You're proving what your value is and the influence that you have on other people. And so that's an influential decade to pretty much set your price tag for how much you're worth. Mm -hmm. And then rest assured that if you're uncomfortable with what that value is and you want it to be growing a lot more than inflation, the average way of doing that is you got to retool yourself. So you got to either learn a new trade, you got to go back to school, you got to change your habits, change your mindset, but you're not going to fall into it. You're not going to move from an $80,000 job to a $150,000 job. Mm. The average person that's at an $80,000 job when they're past their decade rule might hit close to a hundred in their lifetime, but possibly not. Mm. Without, without, re- without re- retooling. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about as we, you know, both of us acknowledge very openly that we're people that, that thrive on education. We love learning and growing and, and challenging ourselves. And one of the things that, that I reflect on in this trajectory of my real estate career is how many more areas of growth there are in our business mm-hmm. and how many more areas of opportunity are available to us in this business and in this industry. We can sort of come into it sometimes with a very uh, siloed idea or mentality. But for example, one of the things that I now include on my business plans are I would like to track and follow and grow and invest in my referral business. Referrals I'm both sending out to other realtors that I'm making, you know, 25-ish, 30% on a transaction that I have really just done a great introduction for. And my work that I'm committed to doing there is always making sure that I'm staying connected to Mm -hmm. and engaged with other amazing professionals that are going to be giving high level service like I give so that when I share their name, I know that I'm sharing the name of an awesome professional that's going to impress the client. The other thing that I think about is also the idea of thinking about 
enough? What's that mean? What is enough as we think oh, about yeah, your yeah. highest income potential? And I reflect on that in as much as it's a hard place to come to, but I think it does lead very nicely into the idea of just really being diligent about, about what is important to you. So for example, if you're an agent right now, who's in, you know, the three to six year window of your career, like congratulations, many of your colleagues that started with you in your cohort have come and gone out of this industry. And so there is something to acknowledge and speak to about folks that have the tenacity and the grit to stay with it. And there is also something to be said about, are you working as smart as you can be working Mm -hmm. such that by tweaking your systems and tweaking your habits, keeping things kind of threaded together here in terms of the the theme of the conversation today, you could potentially be doing a little bit more business. Perhaps you don't want to be doing a ton more business. You might feel like you're already doing quite a lot. How can you improve your business practices so that you're capturing more time back mm-hmm. and you're producing a little bit more GCI okay. revenue for your business? So as you're listening to this podcast, we have another podcast focused on investing. In the second episode there, I'm talking a little bit about different financial mindsets and strategies Mm. that you should master in order to, you know, build yourself into a great opportunity. And one of it is like start your life with a needs mindset spending style versus a wants mindset Mm. spending style. And so the idea there is if you build yourself with that, you spend money based on needs and not wants. The opportunity is if you can, for a few short years, work with a needs mindset, meaning that, okay, you're spending somehow, Mm -hmm. you're just making it work. You're going to spend 25% less than you make, Mm -hmm. and you're going to save that, and you're going to reapply it, and you're going to put in investments, and you continue that for a few years. The idea that some people have is, well, eventually I can spend all my money and live my wants lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Well, half of that is true. You will eventually live your wants lifestyle. But if you've lived a needs lifestyle in spending long enough, you will never spend all your equity because you've reinvested your money. Your skills have grown. You're making a little bit more. Your money's making a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so you continue on the path of always underspending. Mm -hmm. And, you know, leading back to how much do you really need? Part of a lot of people's drive for doing more is based on their spending too much. They started a want spending lifestyle. Yes. I mean, we're going to wrap it up here quite quickly, but in the future episodes, we'll talk a little bit about some of the mistakes that realtors make. And one of them is, you know, why do so many realtors that, you know, are starting brand new drive nicer cars than than you and I have, right? And fair enough, if it's important to you, then it's one of your important things, but you can't have the brand new car, the brand new this, the brand new that before you've established a business. Yeah, that's a wonderful point. One of the things in closing that I'll share on that point, and I have had the opportunity to speak to a number of new agents about this piece exactly is, you know, if you want to look sharp and you want to impress people, get a really beautiful coat and a nice pair of shoes. And if you don't feel comfortable with the car you're driving, park around the corner. Mm. Because the truth is that a brand new car is not going to bring you business, but looking sharp, looking professional is going to help your mindset. It's going to help you feel professional and on your game. And there's such a huge, huge piece to that mindset. Here we go. Full circle. Full circle. Thanks, Connie. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. (laughs) Take care.